you for listening to this message from Life in the Sun Christian Fellowship. We hope you'll be inspired to honor God and make disciples. And as you know, today we are completing the series called CrossFit. And as it was mentioned in the previous message by Armin, cross-training is training in two or more sports in order to improve fitness and performance in a main sport. For example, swimming and running. They're very healthy. Anybody swim or run? We got a few hands. Okay, very healthy. But if you do weight training, it will improve your performance in both. I have a picture here. We can put it up, the next one. This is Usain Bolt, fastest man in the world. He was doing a 4 by 100 relay and clocked the fastest anchor leg in history. It was 8.65 seconds. Now, it's, it's faster than when you do just a regular 100 meters because at a regular 100 meters, you're at a standstill and you're on a starting line and a starting block and then you have to take off. But in the relay, you have a zone in which you can pass the baton. So by the time you get the baton and you get out of your zone, you're already at half to three-quarter speed. And he clocked at 8.65 seconds, 100 meters. Amazing. Now, it's not just all raw talent. It took a lot of cross-training It took a lot of resistance training in order to accomplish what he has. He he does weightlifting. He he runs in pools of water to create resistance to improve his performance. And you know, what is true in the natural is also true in the spiritual. You may not be physically fast, but you can be spiritually fast. Amen? Do you know what fast stands for? We can put up the next slide. If you're fast... You're faithful, available, surrendered, and teachable. Turn to your neighbor and say, are you fast? (laughs) When you're fast, you will be able to hear God better. You will be able to be a part of what God is doing. You will be able to experience God's presence. You can experience God's peace. And you can experience God's power in greater measure. How many of you would like to experience that? Amen? Yes. Sounds good, right? Okay, so how do we train? Well, we need to cross-train in spiritual disciplines. And so, like Terry, I am very thankful for Pastor Eric and Lawrence and Armin uh, who began the series. Pastor Eric, he spoke about the discipline of prayer Lawrence talked about the discipline of applying the Word of God. And Armin talked about the discipline of giving. And today we are on the topic of fasting. We are on the topic of fasting. In the Bible, fasting is always for the purpose of seeking God. Fast, fasting is always for the purpose of seeking God. And real life situations have a way of turning us to God, don't they? Desperate situations have a way of turning us to God. Have you ever been there? Some of you, maybe you have a retirement plan, maybe you've got a government job. You know, how did you feel when you watched your retirement fund erode away? Did you ask yourself, how am I going to take care of myself in the future? Maybe you have children that maybe have turned away from you or from the Lord and they've set themselves on a destructive path and you worry in your heart, are they going to be okay? 
Or maybe you got a lab report in the mail and it was sandwiched between a bill and a, and a pizza coupon and it said that they found evidence of cancer and they're asking you to come in for a follow-up appointment and you wonder, is this my death sentence? Maybe you're living paycheck to paycheck and all of a sudden an unexpected bill approaches and leaves you unable to make ends meet. You know, sometimes the challenges and burdens of life seem like they're impossibly huge. Lord, what can I do? And it's in those moments that we experience our limits. It's in those moments that we realize, I can't do it, and I need God. I need God to do something. And it's in that kind of moment when we're humbled before God and we're desperate for God. You know, desperate situations require something more than prayer. Desperate situations require more than reading a verse. Desperate situations require more than giving. Desperate situations require that we do something like seeking God by fasting. There are many situations throughout history when God's people humbled themselves and hungered for God. When Israel was routed by their enemies and they thought they were done, it's over. They would come before the Lord and seek him in prayer and fasting and say, oh God, help. You know, that's our fervent and righteous prayer, amen? Just God, help! (laughs) Or Nehemiah, when the walls of Jerusalem were just crumbled and he prayed and he fasted and he sought the Lord, what to do about it? Or Esther, when when the, the Jews were going to be annihilated. Haman was an enemy of Mordecai. And he, wanted to, he was offended by Mordecai and decided they were going to kill all the Jews. I mean, how crazy is that? And she sent out a message through Mordecai and said, tell the people to pray and fast. She said, tomorrow I'm going to go and see the king without an appointment. And anybody who does that can be killed. And she said, whether I live or die, I'm going to go see the Lord pray. They were in a national crisis. Or David. David, the man after God's own heart, in a bad season, committed adultery, and then got rid of Bathsheba's husband, Uriah. And then Nathan the prophet came to him and said a parable about somebody who was so terrible. And David was really upset and Nathan said, Dave, Nathan said, David, that's you. You're the man who did this, referring to Bathsheba and her husband. And you know, he turned in repentance and he said, I have sinned against God. And Nathan said, because of your repentance, the Lord will spare you. You will not die, but your son will die. And then David, in this agony, I mean, if you've just feel so bad for Dr. Greg Miller and his son, for those of you who know him. Um, His son died in a climbing accident. But if you've ever lost a child, that's a desperate situation that will send you to God in prayer and fasting. And David sought the Lord that the child might be spared, but the child still died. But God is sovereign over the affairs of man, And Bathsheba conceived another son who was Solomon, 
the wisest man in the world, who would build the temple of God and fulfill the dreams and destiny of David and the nation of Israel. There are many examples of fasting in the Bible. And today we're going to look at just one, that is the example of Jesus. And it's found in Luke chapter 4, and I'd like us to read it together, but before we go there, I want to give you a little setup of the context. Just before this chapter we're about to read, Jesus had just been baptized by his cousin John. And the Bible says that the heavens opened and the Holy Spirit descended on Jesus like a dove. And a voice came out from heaven and said, You are my dearly beloved son. In you I am well pleased. And it's important to note that that statement took place before Jesus ever did anything. Before he he did what we're about to read in Luke chapter 4, before he had any public ministry, the Lord said, I'm pleased with you. And you need to know that that's true of you too. And God's love for you is based on who he is, not what we do. He cannot do anything else because God is love. And so keeping that in mind, let's go ahead to Luke chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River. He was led by the Spirit in the wilderness where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. Jesus ate nothing all that time and became very hungry. Then the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become a loaf of bread. But Jesus told him, No. The scriptures say, People do not live by bread alone. Then the devil took him up and revealed to him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. I will give you the glory of these kingdoms and authority over them, the devil said, because they are mine to give to anyone I please. I will give all to you if you will worship me. And Jesus replied, the scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple, and said, if you are the son of God, jump, jump off. The scriptures say he will order his angels to protect and guard you. And they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Jesus responded, the scriptures also say, you must not test the Lord your God. When the devil had finished tempting Jesus, he left him until the next opportunity came. And then Jesus returned to Galilee, filled with the Holy Spirit's power. Reports about him spread quickly through the whole region. He taught regularly in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. Now, based on Jesus' example, I'd like to highlight four things. Number one, spiritual disciplines such as fasting do not make you more acceptable. Before Jesus was led to fast in the desert, he was baptized by the Holy Spirit, and God said, you are my son in whom I am well pleased. It's important that Jesus made this declaration, as I mentioned earlier, before Jesus fasted for 40 days. And we too need to know our value. We need to know our completeness in Christ before we can serve God well. You know, Rick Warren, he's the pastor of Saddleback Church. He said once he had an opportunity to speak to 6,000 prisoners. And they gave him an hour and a half to preach. And he got up and he had the microphone and he addressed the crowd and nobody was listening. And so what he did is he he pulled out a $50 bill. He said, Anybody want this $50 bill? 6,000 hands went up. (laughs) 
And so then he took it and he crumpled it up and he tore it a little bit. And he said, anybody still want this $50 bill? And 6,000 hands went up. And so then he took it and he, he spat on it and he threw it on the ground and he stomped on it. And he picked it up and he said, does anybody still want this $50 bill? And 6,000 hands went up. He said, men, this is what your dads did to some of you. And this is what society has done to, to some of you. And some of you have done some pretty stupid things and that's why you're in here now. But you have not lost a single cent of your value to God. If we, if we don't know that, then we have unmet needs. We have unmet needs such as the need for acceptance, the need for approval, the need for significance, the need to be loved, the need to be heard. And then our ministry or our service is out of balance because instead of serving out of completeness in Christ, we are unconsciously seeking to get our needs met from the very people that we're hoping to serve. We're not serving them, they're serving us. And the point is this. Next slide. God already loves you and you are already accepted. Not because of your conduct, but because of his character. God will never love you any more than he does right now. He will never love you any less than he does right now. You might try to make him do it, but he won't. He can't be anything other than he is. You have to meditate on that. You have to let that seep deep down in your heart and let it sink in to the point that it changes you and who you are. Let it sink down deep in your spirit. And so that's observation number one. Spiritual disciplines such as fasting do not make you more acceptable to God. He already loves you. Observation number two. Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness. That's what we just read. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Sometimes the Lord will allow seasons in your life when you are in a wilderness. In Hosea 2.14, we'll read that in a minute, wilderness experiences are meant to draw you near to God. Hosea 2.14, the Lord is speaking about his people who have been unfaithful, and he says this, But then I will win her back once again. I will lead her into the desert and speak tenderly to her there. You know, even in the wilderness experiences, even though they're difficult, Remember that God still loves us and he invites us to draw near to him. The point is this. The next slide. God is with you in every season, even in the difficult times that require fasting, even when you're in the wilderness. Fasting is for the purpose of getting us in the right position, in the right position spiritually so that we can experience God. Amen? Also, the wilderness can be a time of testing. This is what happened to Jesus. You know, I I love what Taylor Stewart, the founding pastor of our church, uh, often did when they were talking in leadership meetings about future potential leaders. He, He would ask the existing leaders, you know, who's on the horizon? Who's fast? Who's faithful, available, teachable, surrendered? And so people would discuss possibilities. And Taylor would say, well, that's good, but has that person been tested? 
There's a difference between having potential and having been tested. When we're in the wilderness, there will be tests. Before you can have a testimony in public, there will be a test in private. Before you can have a testimony in public, there will be a test in private. If you're not passing the test in private, it's only a matter of time before you will fail in public. Of course, God doesn't want that. He always gives us time to be honest with ourselves, to be honest with others. But if we try to hide, we'll be like Adam and Eve. Fig leaves don't cover much. When God said to Adam and Eve, where are you? Why did he ask? It wasn't that he didn't know. He wanted Adam and Eve to understand where they were at. He wanted them to understand their condition. And God gives us time to see ourselves and to deal with ourselves. You know, when you feel a conviction of the Holy Spirit and he shows you something, it's actually a grace of God. He wants you to deal with it in private. He, he wants you to save face. He doesn't want to embarrass you. He doesn't want to put shame on anybody. He gives you opportunity to deal things on your own. However, if we try to hide, he loves us so much, he's not going to leave us in that condition. And he will turn up the heat and things can get a little bit more public so that we will change. You know, sometimes, to be honest, we're just lazy. (laughs) I don't want to deal with my stuff. You know, I'm just happy the way I am. You know, and and then he gives you a spouse (laughs) who can help point things out for you. (laughs) He gives you a beloved enemy so that he can develop your character. (laughs) You know, consider it all joy, brothers, when you encounter various trials. (laughs) Knowing that perseverance will produce godly character. Amen. Point number three. God will enable you to overcome temptation and spiritual battle. You know, Jesus was in the desert 40 days and 40 nights being tempted by the devil himself. But God's grace was with him, gave him the ability to be able to overcome. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. God has a perfect curriculum for you. He knows what you can bear. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear. When you are tempted, he will show you the way out so that you can endure. In every situation, know this. There is a way out. We just have to want it. We have to ask for it and seek it. God will show it to you if you want to know. Our job is to take the escape. Make the escape. There is a way out. He will enable you to overcome trials and temptations. Lastly, fasting will allow you to experience the power of God to be a witness and have an influence. This is what was said of Jesus after he went through that period of fasting for 40 days. It says, after fasting for 40 days, Jesus returned to Galilee, filled with the Holy Spirit's power, and reports about him spread quickly through the whole region. He taught regularly in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. The reason I've shared these observations is to encourage you to seek the Lord through prayer and fasting. Whether you have a personal need, maybe even a personal crisis, 
or maybe in light of a national need, a national condition, a national crisis, nothing is too big for God. And we have a circumstance in our own nation that I think calls for prayer and fasting. The Supreme Court of the U.S. has made some incredible decisions in its history. Since Roe versus Wade, 50 million-plus babies have died and gone to heaven. The cost of that decision is something you cannot calculate. Now we have the Supreme Court decision regarding same-sex marriage. For 6,000 years, there's never been a law like this. Society is trying to move ancient boundaries and thinks there will be no consequence. We are trying not to offend anyone except God. In relation to same-sex marriage, the rationale is this. You can justify wrong behavior with a good motive, like love. You cannot justify sexual sin with a good motive. You can't say, the reason I committed adultery, the reason adultery is okay, is because I love the other man or the other woman. You can't say, homosexuality is okay because I love my partner. A bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree produces good fruit. Jesus said, you will know them by their fruit. The Bible prophesies of a day when people will call wrong right and right wrong. And that day is here. That day arrived for Sodom and Gomorrah. That day occurred in the days of Noah. That day occurred during the Roman Empire. The nation of Israel, time and time again, committed spiritual adultery as they moved away from God and suffered judgment suffered the judgment of God. History is repeating itself. Our nation is on a downhill slide. And unless we as the church will shine the light of God's love wherever God leads, we are watching the fall of our nation. How many of us would say the world is getting darker? You know, it's not because the darkness has changed. Darkness is darkness. It doesn't get any darker. It just doesn't get any darker. It just is darkness. The reason the world is darker is not because the darkness has gotten worse. It's because the light is not shining as much. You know, light always dispels darkness. You can't hide it. I'd like to illustrate. I'd like to ask the ushers if they would just hit the lights just for a few seconds. And if you would, oh, can we turn off the stage lights? Thank you. And maybe the the sconce lights as well. I don't know how dark we can get it. Oh, there we go. Thank you. I have a lighter here. It's just a little light. I can't see you, but you can see this. All it takes is a little light in a dark place and it dispels the darkness. You can turn the lights back on.
So what's the point? The world is getting darker because not as much light is shining. Light will always dispel darkness. The real issue is whether or not our light is shining. And as an application to this last topic about fasting, I would like us, I would like to invite you to pray with us as a church. Pray for God's people to let their light shine so people will see it and be attracted to God. I'm inviting us to pray and fast uh, during this month of July, culminating at the end of the month, the last Friday of the month, we have Ignite, which is our evening of prayer and worship. And I just want you to seek the Lord and say, God, how would you have me fast? And it'll be different for everybody. There's no right way. There's no wrong way. You know, you might skip one meal a day. You might skip one meal a week. You might do one day in the week. It may not be food. You might fast from social media or maybe shopping or working out or whatever your thing is that consumes your attention and your time and you want to devote that attention and time to God and and trade it for seeking him. I I just want to encourage you to ask God, Lord, what are you saying to me? What would you have me do? This last verse, Matthew 5, 16, says, Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. I pray that that we will do that as a church, and I'd like us to pray for the church at large as well. You know, it's interesting, that passage in Chronicles 7, 14, it says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and seek my face, I will heal their land. If they will turn from their wicked ways and seek my face, I will heal their land. You know, the, one day I was in my backyard just meditating, just seeking the Lord, and he, he dropped that verse in my heart. And I was thinking, Lord, really? We, your people who are called by your name, turn from our wicked ways? What do you mean our, our wicked ways? Aren't we the ones who are going to church? Aren't we the ones who are reading the Bible? Aren't we the ones talking to people about the Lord? What, do you, what wicked ways, Lord? And he said to me, disobedience. And there are times when the Lord is speaking to our hearts and he's leading us to do certain things and he's giving us assignments. And we're either asleep or ignoring or our heart is hard. We're not responding or maybe we respond in fear and we're afraid. But God is calling us to let our light shine. And to not disobey, but to be a light in a world that's dark. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you for your great love. And thank you for your presence. And I thank you, God, that in you is hope and faith and love. And the greatest of these is especially your love. And I thank you, God, for sharing your love and your life with us through Jesus, your Son. And Father, there is great hope in you, but there is also great need in our lives, in the world around us, in our nation. And God, we need you. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to each one of us and show us what that means for us personally. Lord, what would you have me do? 
I just want to invite you to be quiet and be still before the Lord and just to seek him and say, God, what are you saying to me? What are you saying to me? And I want to invite you just to do business with God. It's one thing to kind of sense what he's saying. It's another thing how you respond. And I want to give you an opportunity just to say, yes, Lord. I'm here. There may be some of you here this morning, if you would just keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed, there may be some of you here this morning that you sense God's been getting your attention. And that's why you're here. You've come to seek the Lord. And you've been hearing us talk about what it means to experience God. But maybe you've never made a decision to take the first step and say, God, yes, I want to invite you into my life. I want to know you. I want to experience you. And if you've never made a formal decision like that, a conscious decision like that, I want to give you an opportunity to do that today. And if that sounds like you, we're simply going to pray. You can just hitchhike on my words. God will hear you. But before we pray, I'd like to know who I'm praying with. And if that is something that you'd like to do, I want to invite you to do a simple thing. And that is to look up And when my eyes meet yours, I'll know that we're going to pray together. And so if if that's something that you want to do, go ahead and look up at this time. And in a moment, we're going to pray. Yes, I see you. Anybody else? Okay. Anybody else? Don't want to miss anybody. Okay. Anybody else? Yes, I see you in the back. Okay, let's pray. God, I believe in you. Lord, I know that you've been getting my attention. And I'm here today because I'm responding to you. And today I want to make a clear choice, a clear decision to take a step of faith and open myself up to you and invite you to come in and reveal yourself to me. Reveal your ways to me. Give me a new life, Lord. Show me what it means to have a relationship with you and to experience you and the life that you intended. Lord, I know there are things in my past that I'm not proud of, things that have hurt me or hurt others. And Lord, I ask you to forgive me. Forgive me for my sins. And I thank you for Jesus and his death on the cross for me. And I accept his forgiveness. I accept his death in my place. And I receive your Holy Spirit to come into my life and forgive me and to cleanse me from all my guilt and shame and to free me from condemnation or accusation and to set me free from a guilty conscience. Lord, give me a new life. Father, I thank you for your presence in me. Thank you for coming into my life. And I trust that you will continue to show me the way to go as I seek you with all my heart. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.